GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. The GSD opposition has accused the government of not delivering a seamless supply of electricity with the quote-unquote new power station. The GSD's shadow minister for utilities, Craig Saccarello, will be here in just a moment to explain their position. Jonathan Sacramento has been in Kew Gardens in London at the National Archives looking at recently declassified documents previously held by the Foreign Office and he'll join us in just a minute as well. But first, the government has promised to make housing work for the people who need it most. The Minister for Housing is talking to tenant associations from government estates to understand their problems and discuss solutions. Pat Orfila joins us now. Lovely to have you, Miss Orfila. How is how is that? How are those conversations going with the different tenants associations? Uh, well, they, they are going. They're ongoing. Um, my policy is one where I'm going to I'm going to be at the end of the phone whenever they need me. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, we're in the process of meeting all of them. I've met with quite a number of them. But we are in the process of meeting and we are going to have walkabouts in a state, you know, so that they can actually point to the areas which they feel need attention. Uh, these walkabouts, of course, will include our housing and works team, the, the people at work in the department, or will bring in other stakeholders. I mean, I think people should be aware of what estates need in order for them to function properly. And uh, that is important. And the communication is very important. And are we mainly talking there about maintenance issues? We're talking about all sorts of issues. Um, maintenance is, is a major thing, obviously, and we do have a programme. And all the estates are being refurbished. The thing is, it, it takes time, you know, to do an estate takes time. But all our estates will be refurbished, and, and that is our aim. Of course, any other business is also discussed, which is why we bring in other stakeholders uh, should they want to query anything. But what is important is that we have a, a door that has been open to the Tenors Association, that they can contact me and I will be there to support and better their lives. That is, I think, the most important thing, the communication. Okay, and in respect of that, um, uh, those works that you've described there to, to refurbish the estates, is there a programme? Where does it start? What's well, the, the time program, frame? The programme is ongoing. We have an ongoing programme. So estates, when it's their turn, will be given the lick of pain, the windows will be looked at, uh, potholes, etc., etc., whatever the estate needs, really. And, uh, of course, this is why communication is important. Which is but, the next? Uh, which is the next one that's due to receive? I think it's Saint, jo Saint John's, if I'm not mistaken. Here in the South District. Yes, in the South District. The thing is, so many, so many things are going on at the same time, Jonathan, that it's difficult to put, you know, tabs on everything that's going on. But I'm pretty sure it's the South District. Okay, and um, and how has life as a government minister been for you? Are you sort of you're settling into the role? It's exciting. It's overwhelming. It, it's, you know. You know, I dream about it. I actually go to bed and I dream about being in the office. Um, the thing is, you know, the truth of the whole matter is that housing is an integral part of the fabric of, of this community. Uh, housing is something which people need in order to live uh, healthy, good lives, you know, relaxed lives. And it is a department then 
where it has a huge onus on on the prosperity and the well-being of people. So what happens is that we try and accommodate as many people as we can. We try and listen to as many people as we can. And uh, this is one of the challenges that I am uh, getting. You know, I, I go into my office at eight in the morning and I don't leave until eight at night, sometimes nine. My goodness, 12-hour uh, days, really. Yes, it's huge. And then I go home and I continue with emails, you know, because I want to make sure that, that I'm going to be there and I, I and I want to know what's going on. So, and I have a team. I mean, I cannot fault the housing team. They're on the ball. They're, they're there with all the information I need. Uh, they are my encyclopedias, you know, and they work so hard. It's a team effort. And I think we've uh, we've got a great team and we, we're polishing it to perfection. So. And I think you, you sort of, the, the GSLP Liberals, you know, were, were alive to how big a, a challenge, if you like, um, housing poses to us as a community yeah. uh, with, with limited space. You know, Absolutely. there are reclamation projects in yes. the pipeline, but yes. um, since becoming the housing minister, uh, I know that you were involved beforehand with, with the party looking at housing, but since becoming the minister, uh, has your... Um, understanding and, and sort of thinking about how big the, the housing challenges are. Has that changed at all as you become increasingly familiar and spend those 12-hour days on it? Well, the, the what's changed is that now I can do something about it. Before I heard the problems and I, and I was able to pass on problems to a very uh, able minister himself. and uh, But now uh, I, I'm doing that. And it's like, um, you know, when somebody asks you, do you want a coffee? How many sugars do you want in it? And you say two. There's nothing like the two sugars that you put in. You know exactly what goes in. And that is the position I'm in now where I, I can actually uh, listen to the problems but do something about the problem myself without having, you know, to pass it on. Okay, um, let's talk uh, specifics for a moment. Uh, you, you talked about vacant properties previously uh, as a, as the GSLP Liberals and made a commitment at election time to take a no-nonsense approach to getting the job done mm -hmm. of making sure that those who need property the most get it. Uh, and um, one of the things you said is that it's only right and fair uh, that government rental flats are owned by the people uh, who, sorry, because they're owned by the, the general public, that they are allocated to those who need them most. And you said that you didn't want any to be lying empty and unused. Mm -hmm. Do you know now how many government properties are empty and unused at present? At the, at the moment, we actually have a hotline and through this hotline, we have already got two back. So the hotline is working, you know. Um, remember that, that uh, you may go for a walkabout and you may see many windows that are closed. You may see uh, houses that are not having a lot of uh, life in them. But when you check, they do go in now and again. So they're not lying abandoned, even though they may look abandoned, but they may live elsewhere, not live elsewhere, but they may go and visit a girlfriend or they may go and visit uh, you know people who are away they may go on long holidays but the house is not abandoned even though it looks abandoned and another thing that they may see some buildings that are on houses that are closed the reason for this is refurbishment when keys are handed in we have to go in and check that the house is uh, in adequate condition to give to the person moving in to government standards so we have to check that and to be honest Jonathan that in itself is a challenge. The way that some of these houses are left, 
is atrocious. So it takes a long time for us to fix it because of the way it has been left. And it's not that it's lying in state and it's rotting away. No, no, no. It's that there is so much to be done that it looks abandoned, but it isn't. You know, they are earmarked for people who are already waiting eagerly on that waiting list. And I can't wait, you know, to give it to them. So that is the reason why you may see buildings that lie in abandoned state. Uh, buildings that are uh, lying uh, in the upper town, etc., etc. Some, we have to bear in mind, are there because they're going to go through a refurbishment program for other means. Um, or they may be uh, being given to people who have plans for them. But uh, those that are not are being uh, 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 discovered, so to speak, by people who are bringing it to my attention and uh, who are on the waiting list, of course, and rather than wait for a house to come, they have to be further up in the housing list. We're not going to give it to somebody who's just parked his name on the waiting list. You have to be on the waiting list. And if you do find a place which is you fit, well, we check it. We look and see whether it is our stock. You know it's beyond economic repair. You may have to put in a lot of money. But if you are willing to do that, you can rent and repair. We're not going to sell it to you. I don't believe in selling government stock because then we're selling uh, our birthright. Well, not our birthright. We're selling the right uh, for people to have more houses to move into. So we cannot sell them. We lose control of it. We lose control. So it's a rent and repair scheme. And and we have had a couple of uh, people already interested in that. So a reminder that if somebody thinks uh, the government property is not being used and is lying vacant, there, there is, is a hotline. There is a hotline, and that was uh, in a press release, and uh, and they can they can call in, and we can go and check it and see if indeed that uh, place is not being used. Uh, lots of questions uh, for you, Miss Orfila. So I'll, I'll I'll start putting them to you and ask you to deal with them. You know, however you see fit. But knowing that there are a number of them. Um, Daniel says, when will the new Housing Act bill be tabled in Parliament? Well, that is, at the moment, it's, it was almost ready. But when we came in, we decided to check it again. There were things that uh, uh, my predecessor wanted to tweak. Stephen Linares. Yes, and that is what we are doing. We're tweaking it. It's, it will be out before in the first term. That is for sure. It will be out. Ariane says, when will the new houses be built for young people? And uh, will they be one or two bedrooms? Or uh, will there be more three and four bedrooms for those wanting to start a family? I think we should aim for the two and three bedrooms. Uh, When are they going to be ready, Ariane? uh, It's going to be started or or towards this four-year that we have, the four-year term that we have. I, trust me, they will be started, or if not finished. But, you know, we, are, we have a huge, huge commitment and uh, we need to keep to that commitment. So definitely houses will be in the making within the four years. Okay, does gov- this is from Heidi. Does the government have a sustainable housing plan for Gibraltar where young people will be more or less guaranteed a home in Gibraltar in the future? Well, look, that is our plan. Uh, nobody can talk about guarantees because, you know, we're here today and gone tomorrow and I'm talking about life, really, not about uh, houses. Uh, Is it our aim? Yes, it is. I would love to see the young people not having to go away but staying in Gibraltar. But we're we're planning. This is the way that we are heading. And fortunately, I mean, there are so many now uh, moving into the new homes in in Hassan's, you know, 
and they're so happy. Those houses, have you seen them, Jonathan? Yes, I've seen one or two. The speck in those houses. They look really impressive. Amazing, amazing. So yes, we are building very high-spec houses for our youth and for younger people to move into. Okay, there's uh, another question from Daniel who wants... Uh, on that note, I think, to to sort of try and pin you uh, to a time frame by when you expect to have cleared the housing waiting list, which is a promise. Uh, Daniel, we said within within this term's office. So that is when, within the term's office. And um, we've had somebody who didn't want to use their name, gave it to us, but asked for us not to to sort of pass it on, but uh, says uh, he has been on the medical A-list for almost 13 years and is in desperate need of government housing. Um, What would you say to to this person? Well, I'm really sorry that he finds himself in that situation, but I must also tell you one thing. There are many desperate people in desperate situations and we offer them houses and they decline them. They don't like the area, they don't like the view, they don't like the neighbour, and and they may have declined. We have people who have declined six times. You know, and these are people on, on very uh, uh, serious um, medical and social lists, and they actually decline. So that is, uh, you know, it's either here nor there. It's not our problem that they declined. I'm not saying this gentleman has declined any. And if he hasn't, I'm sure his, it's imminent for him to uh, to be moved or to find his home. A number of um, would-be purchasers of Bob Belisa Muse asking for an update on, on when, um, you know, on that project. Well, that project is uh, about to kick off any time now. We're already starting with Chatham and Bob Belisa is imminent. Um the thing is, unfortunately, we had the COVID that came, and I know people are fed up of, of listening to this, but it is a fact. It did happen, and the whole world came to a standstill. When we have come back in, everything is costing us twice as much. Everything seems to have progressed in, in the wrong way or the right way, I don't know, but it is a fact that now people who are putting their names down, and I say this because I know some people are querying why should I have to pay 25% more. The reason is because there was a cut-off date and people putting the names down now will find that they are putting the names down in a in a situation where construction is costing more, materials is, is more expensive. And, uh, and therefore, um, we, we have to uh, uh, remember that that has to be honoured and paid. But um, uh, it's coming. It's definitely happening already, and it should be ready within the next two or three years. Three years, maybe, Matt. That's what I was going to say. Uh, one of the, the people who asked about Bob Lisa Muse wanted to know when is it likely to be completed? Three or four years. I know it sounds a long time, but trust me that the years fly. I mean, we're already three months into our, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's gone. It's gone by so quickly. So before they know it, they'll be in a new home. All right, we're talking to the Housing Minister, Pat Orfila. This is a question that's come in, Ms Orfila, from Jackie. Where I live, right opposite me, there are two houses empty. They've been empty literally for years, for years, eh? For years. And it's not right. I've got my brother Tom and his wife Janet, Borge, eh, are waiting for a place because they've got an autistic son, Right. And that would be ideal. One of them opposite there. Why don't they give it? 
Thank you, Jackie, for being in touch, Ms. Orfila. Well, look, thank you, Jackie, for calling, you know, and uh, and you'll be pleased to know that your, your grandson has been to see me. Well, not your grandson, but Jackie has been to see me. She's got good news. Um, I would like to know where those addresses are. You know, we have a hotline, and I'm not asking you now. Obviously, it's public, and I don't want you to give me any, any addresses right now. But if you could please call us at the um, housing department, we are more than happy to, to go and investigate those two addresses which is why we have a hotline but thank you for the tip Jackie thank you very much all right um we've got a, a question from Charles following on um where we started this uh, conversation about talking to uh tenants associations in the mm-hmm. different housing ministers yes. uh, in the different housing estates apologies mm-hmm. uh, about their problems uh, Charles is asking if you can advertise your trips so that uh, you are able to uh, so that those people who live in those estates know that that's when they can talk to you they will I don't want to advertise anything because I want to find the estates as is I don't want to give time for people to prepare things for me. So um, I want to go and find out the reality of what is happening in the States, okay? But they will see me. They will see me because I will go with a, a group of people and we probably let the Tenants Association know. And obviously we are going to let the Tenants Association know and uh, they will pass on the word. But I, I don't want to get people to prepare the place for me. I want to see it as, uh, you know, as a tenant's see it and how they live with it every day. Uh, we're practically out of time, Miss um, Orfila, but in short, can I just ask you, how are you feeling? Uh, how confident are you feeling about um, the GSLP Liberals' ability to tackle Gibraltar's housing challenges? There is no doubt that the GSLP is the way to go. I mean, no matter whether we won by a sliver or not, we still got in and we're still going to deliver and we're still going to get that job done. And we have very, very competent ministers at the helm of the ship. And we're going to pull through and we're going to give you everything we promised you. Thank you for your time. Uh, A lot of interest in housing, as you'd expect. So I'm sure that we'll have you back in the studio at some point soon. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. (laughs) Thank you, Housing Minister. Pat Orfila, a reminder that if you have uh, identified a property that you think is a government property that you think is vacant, you can call 200 400 40 or you can email housing at gibraltar.gov.gi with the details for them to investigate. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. GSD spokesperson, Shadow Minister for Utilities, Craig Sacarello, says every Gibraltarian has suffered from the GSLP Liberals' Uh, lack of planning at the power station, to quote him. The opposition has accused the government of not delivering a seamless supply of electricity at the new power station and says backup measures should have been thought of a long time ago. And, um, of course, we're we're talking about this, Mr. Sacarello, because uh, we have seen plans for that uninterrupted power supply now. That's right, yeah, the government recently announced the fact that they were going ahead with the purchase of some new battery storage solutions, which, um, while we welcome, we, we, we have to mention, um, of course, caveated with the fact that they're, they're bought at the right uh, price and that they're implemented soon and they, they do what they say on the tin, um, that they bring the improvements on redundancy and uh, resilience that, that, that our electrical power market needs. Um, the point is that these solutions have existed for a long time. Certainly back in 2010, they were 
used fairly widely within the within the U.S. market. Of course, with each year, the technology improves, so the cost becomes lower, and the um, the uh, air capacity to store electricity grows as well. Um, but um, having said that, this, these solutions were around in 2016, and it was a much vaunted project by the uh, by the government. Um, it was heralded as as their their flagship. And uh, in fact, uh, the chief minister at the time referred to the issues as to re- reliability, I beg your pardon, now being resolved for generations, you know, a, a secure and reliable source. And if you look at their, their statistics in 2021, you, it'll actually show that there were at least 30 power cuts uh, that year, which... Completely not, goes against. Not necessarily to do with power supply, though, right? No, but the, granted, uh, that, that, that's right. Some were perhaps to do with the distribution network, which is another matter entirely. But there are plenty that are still um, directly from the, the power supply. And, and it was a cost to the uh, taxpayer of £77 million. At least that's what they said it would cost. We don't know what the actual cost was, because that is buried in a in a web of companies, their, their jungle of companies, as uh, Mr. Rosano or Serbosano, um, um, uh, describes it. And, and so we don't know what the actual cost is. And whilst we've been using these diesel generators, um, the battery ones are reportedly 70% cheaper and they're more efficient. So why? what is the, the cost, the opportunity cost to the taxpayer of not having having uses? The other thing which... Well, uh, before you move on too much sure. beyond that, if you don't mind, um, uh, you say that there were there are plenty of power cuts which have resulted from... Uh, a power supply issue at the power station. Uh, have you got a sense of uh, how they break down? Uh, you, you referred to 2021 statistics. I don't mind which year it is, but have you got a sense for how many power cuts in any given year are a result of uh, the power generation issues at the power station compared to the grid and the supply of that power the, uh, You know, across Gibraltar, cable being cut by a contractor or similar? I, I don't, but that's part of the frustration of being stuck in opposition. Jonathan, you're, you're, we're not allowed. We don't, do not have the authority to speak to any of these departments to get statistics. So, if if, if nothing's widely published and made clear and transparent, uh, like it ought to be, then these stats are, are hard to come by. So, perhaps that's a question for you to ask the the government directly. But what, what I was the point I was trying to make before about these batteries is another. Um, what they do is they. The, the, the power station will run its electricity through them and, and this stabilises the often um, quite violent fluctuations that we see. I was speaking to someone today who who, who record, recently recorded 270 volts going through its system. Now, some, in, in a, a at commercial home, at home residence. Yeah. So some some people, um, some equipment isn't built to to tackle with this variance, so they have destruction. So this is a personal cost. This to, is what we call, call like a surge. A surge, in... yeah, yeah, effectively. And it, and it can be a, a lower amount too. It's the, but so running things through a battery solves this, and it should iron out this, um, this variance. Uh, so you ask yourself, obviously, people who are technically minded back in 2016 when the project was launched, why, why was this not a solution then? Um, yeah. Okay, and um, you've talked there about uh, the frustration with not having direct access to, uh, as uh, Shadow Minister for Utilities, um, in this case, to the Gibraltar Electricity Authority to to sort of find out more. You you can't sort of have a direct line with them to to find out sort of factual information? No, in my first week of being elected, I wrote to the, 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 the relevant ministers 
and received a very robust and emphatic reply. And in fact, the chief minister alluded to it in his opening speech when Parliament opened, the fact that this type of um, engagement was not to be allowed or permitted. And, and so he made it very clear. And, you know, from my point of view, nothing mentioned, nothing gained. You know, I did it through the right channels uh, and I wanted to see for the benefit of Gibraltar if we could provide proper opposition with the uh, you know with, with good detail and stuff so but it's it's not allowed so if if that's the case then we have to look at stuff that's published and that's the only way we can or, or solicit the information yourself by putting questions in parliament Correct. so that it then becomes a you know you get the information Correct, yeah. and then it also becomes a talking point no? Correct, exactly yeah and then we can use the social media etc too but there's a, there's a limit to how much you can you, you you can do um and and obviously questions can only be asked uh every six months the same question cannot be asked again um for six months time okay um and how have you found your time as an mp more generally you, you've had uh, a question and answer session already where you've put some questions uh, on the topics that um you, you take responsibility for in the gsd opposition you've got another one coming up this week how, how are you finding it well, um, still finding um, finding my feet, you know, getting my feet under the the table, developing a network of of contacts and um, people who can update me and, and inform me on on the specialisms that that each entail. I, I don't think any minister would, um, would 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 boast about being an expert across all, all fields of their responsibilities, and it's the same in opposition. So so we have to do our homework. Um, too, and and so that's what I've been doing. It's extremely frustrating, Jonathan. I'm very much a person who likes to to solve things and to help people, and this is very difficult to do when um, when we're limited from an authority point of view. We, we we we're not authorized to make any changes, but there's other subtle ways that we can, and we we certainly help campaign. I use my tenacity um, and my uh, communication skills to try and push things through and help people solve their their issues where they are just and. Um, and, and reasonable. Okay, um, I'm going to go through your responsibilities very quickly. Uh, utilities, we've talked about small business, postal services, telecoms, e-government, trade, industry, inward investment, and a special responsibility for community and civic engagement. Um, wh- what's the last one about community and civic engagement? Well, that's uh, exactly what it what it says is about getting out there, getting the GS, the GSD out there, helping people. And it's something I love. I love connecting with people and and where I can, helping them, but also seeing people flourish, giving them the opportunity to, to shine themselves. It's uh, holding someone's hand rather than carrying them, th- theory. Um, and it's giving that, about giving them the opportunity. So with that, we have four years now to engage with different types of uh, parts of the community. So it could be more formal, like the business sector and and, uh, and 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 associations related to that, or it could be housing associations. I know you have Pat on next, uh, and it could be um, anything from from clubs and, and and issues that are faced in the, in the community. And what we aim to do is is not just listen to people and get a thorough understanding so that we can shape our policy. Of course, that's a that's an obvious one, but we're looking to engage with people and help carry out whether it's campaigns or little projects that will help make a difference to people's lives. And we can show to people, if we're capable of doing this in opposition, then imagine what we would be capable of doing in government. So we're being very, very proactive. You will see us in uh, the early part of this year starting with this engagement. And I hope to, to, to be your guest at some point in the future.
along those lines. Well, you, we, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to, to speak again. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, can I just ask you very quickly, if somebody's listening to this and thinking that, um, you know, that they ought to speak to the GSD opposition uh, about one of the things that you've mentioned there, how, how can they go about contacting you or, well, or, or speaking to you? Yeah, thank you very much for that opportunity. People do contact us, but it's very simple. The generic email address is contact at gsd.gi, or if they'd rather contact me directly, it's craig at gsd.gi. And we're, we're there to listen and to help. Craig Saccarello, Shadow Minister for Utilities. Thank you for talking to us this Thanks afternoon. Thanks for your time. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Jonathan Sacramento, our reporter, has been in London uh, looking at recently declassified documents that were held by the Foreign Office previously, uh, but now are open and are publicly available. Uh, and that's uh, at Kew Gardens. And uh, Jonathan, today you're running a story on a, a, a bilateral, sort of a, an attempt at bilateral talks when Joe Bosano. Um, before he became Sir Joe Bosano, when Joe Bosano was the chief minister? It's a complicated one to put a pin on because these... Are, bear in mind that when you're looking at uh, classified documents that then become declassified, it's important that you uh, that, that you consider the fact that, A, this was 30 years ago, uh, and B, uh, this was... Uh, that you don't take things out of context. Uh, and why do I say that? It's because some documents are declassified and others are not. So you may be missing pieces of the puzzle and when you start looking at the many dozens of documents out there and you start building more or less a timeline of how things transpired, it's important. I mean, yes, you've got to you've, you've got to try and extract a headline from it. You've got to try and extract uh, 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 <laughs> something grabby that makes people pay attention. But, but so, at the same some, time, something that also moves our understanding along no? the, 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 of what happened at the time behind closed doors. But uh, it's 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 important as well to understand the bigger picture uh, of the fact that this was this was uh, a series of discussions uh, via fax and via letter. Uh, uh, by regular mail uh, and these things were going back and forth all the time and it did so over a period of months and as it moved the positions changed and they changed forward and they changed back so what happened well they were concerned about the fact that they, they were you know there had been elections in Gibraltar there had been elections in Spain there had been elections in the UK everyone wanted to sort of reset and move forward and the UK uh, and the, and Spain uh, met at diplomatic level, at at a not at ministerial level, but certainly at a, a you know at a junior diplomat level, and uh, touted the idea of a round of Brussels. And so uh, the Foreign Office got in touch with Joe Bosano, the Chief Minister of Gibraltar at the time. Of course, I, I know that he's Sergio Bolsonaro now, but he wasn't at the time, so we're, we're yeah. shifting our, our minds back in time to when he wasn't. Uh, and uh, they wanted to explore with him, uh, in fairness to the Foreign Office, they wanted to explore with him at what level he would be comfortable with attending Brussels talks. And uh, we know that uh, Sergio's position on it is still and has always been opposed to bilateral talks uh, in principle. In principle, yeah, but but uh, but he touted the idea of him being involved in the talks as a separate party, uh, and the the Foreign Office was trying to find a way in which this 
could be worded and it would be acceptable to Spain. They went back and forth a few times. When I mentioned in my original introduction to my report that they had already drafted a press release ahead of the meeting with the results of the meeting... Before the meeting even yes, took place. Yeah, I mean, look, apparently these things happen. I've come across it a few times. I suppose it's a draft, not at the end of the day. It's this a, is what we think a, is going a, to be the outcome. It's a no? draft press communique before the meeting has even taken place. But that communique changed so many times and it's it's perhaps even unfair to put the text of any one communique out there because it changed so many times in a series of weeks but uh, as we know now the meeting never actually went ahead all right jonathan and the significance of this is just to give an insight into the conversations yeah. that were taking place around yeah. this idea that yeah. the the uk might have bilateral talks with spain uh, absolutely about gibraltar yes and 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 bear in mind that there are still some of these documents are still are redacted so there are bits of it that we can't see and and some uh around this period of time were meant to be released this year but uh, have been held until 2034. So there are important elements of these discussions which we won't find out for another 10 years. 10 years. And you'd think that actually those one of the reasons for holding those back could be that it's... Sensitivity, uh, yeah. uh, national interest, uh, national security... Yeah, you name it. And they are subject of uh, freedom of information requests, some of them as well. You yourself no, have submitted no, some? No, uh, someone beat me to it. Ah, okay. <laughs> On another occasion, I know that you have. Yes, I, I have done that, yes. Um, okay, Jonathan, and um, you, you spent uh, a day at Kew Gardens looking through a number of papers. Today is the first of a number of reports. Yeah, uh, yeah there's a few interesting things in there. Um, as among them, it's not all... Well, it is kind of yes, all politics, but but um, but some more directly related to uh, Gibraltar's national uh, interests than others. You know, for example, there's there's one uh, a document there on the visit of President George Bush to to the Rock on his way to Spain, which raised raised a few eyebrows in Spain. But mm. it, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff in there, and and it's it's. Uh, very eye-opening to see what was going on at the time behind these closed doors. Okay, well, we look forward to uh, hearing and and watching more. Uh, Jonathan Sacramento, thank you for joining us and telling us a little bit about those recently declassified documents previously held by the Foreign Office. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.